everyone and welcome back to another episode of my podcast Mending Mindsets. Today's episode is a very special one because I'm joined by my very lovely boyfriend Harry is going to be our very first guest on the podcast as well and we're going to be talking all things men's and mental health um, because this is obviously such an important topic and yeah I've roped him on to come on and talk about sort of starting up those difficult conversations, social media, body image and we did also touch a little bit on sort of mental health in a relationship and how we talk so openly about mental health in our relationship so I hope you all enjoy listening it's a really nice long one today so sit back relax grab yourself a cup of tea and enjoy thank you so much for coming on Harry and agreeing to be the first guest on my podcast thank you very much for having me I'm excited to be here um, so before we get started uh, talking about men's mental health, would you mind just telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm Harry McGee. I'm 20 years old, going into my second year of film production at uh, Portsmouth University. Um, and I'm also, name drop here, Vice President of UPRFC, the Men's Rugby Club. So obviously today we're going to talk about men's mental health. And I wanted to ask you how you feel as somebody on your university's rugby team how sort of you feel your mental health is handled at uni like do you feel confident being able to talk to others or do you feel like you have to keep it quite sort of like to yourself well so there's definitely a stigma around um rugby boys and in general and rugby clubs uh being all lads lad lads not talking about stuff like that but I would argue that uh Portsmouth University is quite uh forward in that uh we have a a as vice president, I'm in charge of the welfare of the boys uh, that join the club, and I work with very closely with two welfare sex. And there's a uh, a good setup of uh, mental health awareness in the university already. Uh, but we are very close with each other, those boys, and uh, so there is definitely uh, uh, an aspect of if there's something wrong and you want to talk about something, uh, you can. Um, so do you feel like sort of you feel any sort of pressures? I know you said you're close and you feel like you can talk to the boys that sort of you're in the rugby team with, but do you ever feel like there's pressures that you can't? Like if like before a game or something you're feeling down, there's not time to sort of say, oh, I'm having a bad day because it's time to get up, like just get on with the game. Not that you play many games yourself, but <laughs> <laughs> when you can't watch. Right, okay, no need for that. No, not really. Um, I, I, I mean, there's... I think there's an, an aspect to it in the fact that I wouldn't bring it up anyway. Uh, a lot of the time, just because uh, I think the stigma around men's mental health is that we don't want to talk about it. And I don't think it's really like that. I think it's just we like to handle things ourselves. Obviously, I'm talking very generally here. Um, but I, I personally like to handle things myself. So if I can, I'm going to keep it to myself and, and work on it myself. Um, so I wouldn't want to just bring it up um randomly like there's obviously times when it's good to and times when it's not uh anyway uh but maybe I just don't bring it up enough in the in the times when I should do you feel like that's because if you was to open up you'd be a burden to others do you think that's a sort of stigma or sort of pressure you feel from society um yeah there is yeah definitely there's an aspect to that that um I feel like I'm unloading onto people and then I'm putting my pressures onto them and they have to deal with my issues. And 
again speaking personally here i think that's just something i don't like to do in, in i don't like to inconvenience people and that's kind of what i think about it as is a little bit of an inconvenience because i understand uh i think i'm quite well versed in just men- mental health in general and i understand that a, a lot of people uh, are going through stuff that i wouldn't know about and so there's maybe an aspect to that that i don't want to unload on them without knowing what they're like and what they are going through yeah that's true but you obviously understand like people your friends and family wouldn't mind if you offloaded sometimes it's nice to offload I know I do that to you a lot sometimes offload <laughs> just offload my feelings um do you ever feel like sometimes you wish you felt more like you could and you wouldn't sort of feel the way you do about talking about your mental health no I, I think in the same way that you, you um, talk to me about your your problems and, and unload, as it were, um, I I can talk to you and I can talk to my um, my mates and my family about it. But I um, yeah, again, I don't think I I miss the opportunity and think that the stigma is stopping me. I think it's more of a stigma. I don't know if stigma is the right word, but a, a, sort of a mental stigma. block. Yeah, a mental block yeah. that I don't want to do that anyway. Um, not that I can't. I know I've got loving friends, family, um, uh, uh, oh, girlfriend, girlfriend. <laughs> uh, no, all around me, and and I could at any time I could talk to them, um, but just sometimes I I don't want to. You know, I don't want to think. I think there's an aspect that I don't want to think about it, and if I don't think about it, I don't have to talk about it, um, and vice versa. Yeah. So we've touched on you being at university, but obviously we both went through our A-levels and GCSEs at the same time. Do you think that was a particularly challenging time for your mental health? And obviously results day is coming up for other students who have just done their exams. How do you think sort of that time of your life affected your mental health? Right, well, absolutely. It was a lot worse than it is now, whether that's because I've um, I've grown up a lot. I mean, this pandemic and stuff has I think matured a lot of people um, our age and a lot of people I know. Um, but I think, and so I can handle sort of more, but back in A-levels uh, especially, I uh, I had like 50% attendance in year 13 because I, I, well, I've always hated school and it wasn't. And that's, I enjoyed the time I spent with my friends, but I hated the stress of school and the work that I had to do. And that made me not want to do it. And so I didn't go in because I had the opportunity because I was in sick form and I could drive myself to school or as the case was not to drive myself to school. And so, and then the more I missed, the more, the worse it was. And the and harder I, it got to catch up and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I, I, I had a, a bad time with A-level teachers just in general, like some teachers leaving midway through and, uh, not having another teacher come in, et cetera, et cetera. But I wouldn't blame that. I definitely blame myself um, for for not not wanting to work. But I, I wouldn't look back and regret that. I was actually talking to my mate the other day about that. I, I don't look back and regret the time I spent because I enjoyed a lot. The time I spent at sixth form with my mates, I enjoyed it so much. Uh, and the partying and turning 18 and clubbing and all that was great. But... I should have put more effort in. And it's easy to look back and say, oh, uh, that's it, I should have. But I, I was going through a very, very tough time mentally um, 
I was very, very depressed uh, and that led to a lot of anxiety. I'm a very generally anxious person anyway, which I think a lot of people who know me wouldn't think of first sight, but um, because I'm so bubbly and uh, personable, not to blame my own trumpet there, uh, but I think that comes from just generally anxiety, generalised anxiety anyway, in wanting to be liked. And so that anxiety was made so much worse through my exams and the and the time off. And that was a terrible part of my life. And I would just say to anyone who's getting results within, I think it's Tuesday or something, isn't it? Yeah, um, soon. That those results... They don't define they, your future. Yeah, everyone says that. It doesn't define your future. But the next set of results are going to be more important if you go to uni or if you get a qualification somewhere else or do another thing and experience don't have to stress about that although opening that envelope on that day was horrific and the same wasn't my GCSEs but you didn't I mean you did really well in your GCSEs but your A-levels you didn't do as well as you could have mm-hmm. but that didn't stop you from now going on to do a course that you really enjoy uh, and you know you obviously switched courses after your first year doing um medium digital practice yeah doing that and now you get to do film um but do you wish that sort of you looked after your mental health more during your a-level time because obviously you just sort of let yourself feel that way which is fine but you sort of didn't really do anything to sort of try and better it at the time do you think that's because you didn't know how to or you didn't really have anyone to like talk to about it do you think so you just sort of had to deal with it yourself and your way of then dealing with it was to not go in to not sort of face those anxieties. Um, well, I did. I did talk. I did quite uh, talk about it quite a bit with um, like student managers and stuff. Uh, uh, the people leading uh, like sick form was the, uh, the worst time for my mental health, really. Um, and I spoke to those managers, and they knew why I wasn't coming in because obviously they, had, they called me when I wasn't. Um, but I think it was more of a. I know that I feel bad, but I'm not. But I'm blaming school. And I don't blame my behaviours. And I definitely should have blamed my behaviours because they weren't, they were in some ways self-destructive. I mean, I was, like I say, I enjoyed going out, but I went out every weekend in year 13 and I was, I was working. So I had the money. So why not? You know, but the why not is because I had work to do. I had exams to revise for and I had school to wake up for and drinking heavily every weekend surprisingly isn't actually great <laughs> doesn't make you feel great um so do you think sort of going off from that sort of going to university or just even sort of turning 18 the increased amount of alcohol you now drink do you think that's played a part in your mental health as well because obviously those hangovers mean you spend a day in bed and it gets easy to just sort of keep spending those days in bed because you know why not uh i i definitely um i mean I, I would say I haven't had a fair shot at uni and the uh, drinking from that because first year was in halls and halls is, as anyone who's been in uh, uni halls, is depressing. They are basically prison cells, um, especially the ones I was in. They were really Yours small. Yours were tiny, yeah. And I did spend like mm, 60% of the time, well, no, 90% of the time I wasn't drinking or going out. I was in bed. Uh, like I would go to lectures and I'd come home and I'd get in bed. That was, like I say, bad because I didn't have a living area, so I couldn't go and sit somewhere else and sit with somewhere with light. Yeah. So I just watched TV all the time. And then this year, obviously, pandemic, not great either. 
um we would we would drink as a house and then we'd wake up at two o'clock three o'clock sit in bed watch tv then drink again and it just that was not good either um i definitely is a product of my environment because i yeah i've had like times this year where i'm like oh my room's been a mess and i've just been in bed and i've not wanted to get up and do anything other than go and have fun and just get out of the room which i think a lot of people can empathize with but i should have opened my curtains cleaned my floor and just doing those things make me like i i have recognized having done those things they do make me feel better and at some points i realize wow i'm like pretty low and i'll talk to my housemates and they'll um, and they felt the same as well because everyone was in the same boat but i definitely agree the increase in alcohol and the availability and also the per the personal freedom with nobody no my mom not going do you need to go out tonight you know what i mean um that never happened and everyone's in the same mindset of like why not so yeah the increase is definitely <laughs> definitely i mean i'd ask you if you needed to go out but you just don't really listen to me but well yeah well, you weren't <laughs> there so it's not the same do you think so so when you go to university obviously you're you don't live with your parents anymore well we didn't um you sort of lose that routine do you think that has an impact on your mental health because that routine is completely out the window there's no your mum's not there at seven o'clock going dinner's ready so you're eating at like nine ten sometimes you've been known to eat at like half one in the morning yeah for sure I mean I yeah my I mean my sleep pattern just went out the window it was already bad enough when I'm at home but there is when I'm at home I can open my door so when I wake up so in the morning when everyone else is waking up I'm kind of forced to wake up a bit earlier uh, but at uni, I can just close the door, lock the door, lights off, blackout curtains. I'd wake up and I wouldn't know that it was 4 p.m. <laughs> or whatever. And yeah, and that lack of schedule, again, um, the pandemic, but even before in, in first year, uh, there was that, the fact that I had to do it. I mean, as anyone else has known who's dealt with depression, anxiety, just those stuff that makes you not want to move and crawl up in a ball and not do anything ever again getting up and making yourself dinner is not high on your priority until you're hungry and then you have to and then when i do i don't want to make food so i make pasta and pasta is just carbohydrate and it, it's not good for you there's no vitamins or anything like that like it, it took a point that i was like just taking multivitamins because i didn't eat anything um and that lack of energy again just in in roll and roll and roll i'm worse off i don't want to do anything uh, stay in bed longer have worse of a schedule i mean the other day i mean what, the other day two months ago or so my sleep schedule was so weird that i was cleaning i deep cleaned the kitchen till 4 a.m and then i was like mm, bedtime and i didn't eat all day because i just didn't have time and it it was just one of those weird ones like that wasn't really a depressive thing but the schedule and the lack of uh somebody holding me down to do something like you should eat at six to seven eight o'clock in the evening for dinner and you just have breakfast that just never happened yeah so routine definitely plays like a really important part do you think in sort of you know maintaining sort of positive mental health and well-being and stuff like that absolutely yeah so i also wanted to touch on sort of your use of social media and body image sort of how that affects men and their mental health as well um i put a post up yesterday sort of about body anxiety and someone sent me a message saying that they thought it was crazy that like if it wasn't for 
social media we wouldn't think that one specific body type is attractive and obviously again I'll touch on the fact that you play rugby but that comes with a stereotype of you should look a certain way you should be really muscular and really broad so how do you feel like just social media and society has sort of impacted the way sort of you use social media in your sort of view of your body well when I was uh in I went to an old all boys school in my secondary school and that was definitely I mean boys from the age of <coughs> excuse me 12 till 15 aren't great people I mean, you go to an all-boys school and there's this idea that of cool and, and good-looking, like you say. And I've always been fat. Um, and that's not a bad thing um, in some ways. I mean, like, <laughs> I can't run as far on the rugby pitch. But I don't care because I'm, I'm not... My body is not for your gratification. You know what I mean? Um, but I was always told you're fat. And I'm also ginger, by the way, for audio listeners. That is... That was tough too. <laughs> I mean, I don't know really why, but uh, I was a fat and ginger kid and I was a nerd. Um, so all of this idea of just like when I wanted to post, if I wanted to post on social media, I had to look skinny and cool and I couldn't get rid of the ginger pit, unfortunately. Um, actually, not unfortunately, I love being ginger. I love your ginger hair. Um, is part of your personality, and so and um, but so is being fat, and so is being a bit of a nerd. But That's all part up. of it. But growing up, that body image of if you, I was fat, and so people told me day in and day out that I was fat, even though I didn't care, and I turned it into a thing that like I'm fat and I don't care. The go-to insult is you're fat. So <laughs> if you aren't this body type, especially. When, like, like I say, when I was younger, because I don't really care much about it anymore, and I don't, like you say, I don't use social media and post about my body. But I, that's probably comes from not posting when I was younger, because I wasn't like confident in how my body was not the normal one, and I was always conscious of the fact that not being the normal uh, build, I guess, would have stood out. And that's that was always something I was anxious about, I guess, looking back. But uh But obviously there is no normal body type. There is it, yeah, exactly. There that's isn't one yeah. that like sort of fits. And sort of as you say, sort of growing up, sort of being ginger and like a chubby kid, you were sort of society's idea of like I don't want to use the word ugly, but like sort of unattractive. Glad you use the word ugly. <laughs> um but yes. I I, I I think you're you know I think you're gorgeous, but obviously I can understand sort of how you felt so like growing up I was always picked on myself for certain bits that I was never bothered by but for some reason like the shape of my nose really bothered everyone mm-hmm. and it wasn't an issue with me until people started pointing it out yeah that, which is yeah, yeah, how you sort of feel about your body um I, I think to touch on that that's that is social media in a nutshell is that you don't find anything wrong about you but somebody else wanting to can even if they don't believe it like, I know that I know, because I've, I mean, I go, I go out with you, you've had body dysmorphia. I have a lot of girl mates who also have body dysmorphia and, I mean, just are just self-conscious in general about their body, about their face, etc., etc. All of that, people pick on it, when you're younger especially. And it's BS, really, because it's not fair and it's not correct. And when you get to an adult life, 
only the bad people are going to pick apart your fe- uh, your features. You know what I mean? People people like personality overlooks, but everyone's superficial because of social media. It's weird though, isn't it? I remember once someone told me I had ugly big toes for some reason. Just don't know why it bothered them. I don't know who has pretty toes, but... Yeah, I know. I do regret that comment. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so do you think, like, maybe, like, your friends or other sort of men, you know, feel the same about sort of their bodies and sort of just social media in general? Because it is sort of a thing, not as many young men or just men of any age use social media as much as women. And do you think it's because men are sort of more afraid to sort of put themselves out there? Because, I mean, girls can be nasty to it, but sometimes, you know, sort of the comments you could receive about your body from a male or from another girl even could sort of really, like, sort of hurt you. Do you think that's why men don't use it as much as women? Because you're just, you're not sort of willing to put yourself out there to in case you receive those comments. Yeah, I think as well, just in terms of that male, like, men-on-men uh putting each other, each other down i think 90 percent of men like talking about looks 90 percent is ribbing each other for uh for something that's different or genuinely uh not agreeing with it or something like that and 10 percent is a compliment you know what i mean so you get that aspect of just like i've got i've got mates that uh just don't yeah like you say don't like their nose because they've had comments made about their nose or don't like their eyebrows or their eyes or just whatever and it's just and it's so much easier to find a flaw than to just because of this stigma of like mental health and acting hard and all this you don't want you don't really compliment each other especially when you're younger um yeah boys would never post a photo and like you wouldn't get like girlfriend like when I remember when I was younger like I'd post a photo and like the stuff you'd comment on your friends but if like even if you post a photo now you none of your friends would comment and be like you look really nice because it's uh, unless it was star- sarcastic I mean the only way is like oh like your eyes or like yeah like whatever that that smile and then like some stupid emojis or something it's it, it's hard. those are hollow compliments because I know that they're being sarcastic but they're not saying they're not being mean but they're not genuinely complimenting it yeah they're not but, saying oh you actually really nice in that yeah exactly but, I would say though that um, uh, in some ways I've gained a lot of confidence in my body um, because I've been playing rugby at uni and um, playing in marks. <laughs> I'm, I'm on the rugby club. Um, <laughs> that there are so many, there are lots of different body types in rugby. Um, so people, I am fat, and people still rib me for being fat on a rugby team, but also some of the best players in the first team are fat boys but they're amazing props and they and that kind of i think that's quite interesting in some ways that the body image at rugby it it doesn't matter if you're good you're good and that's quite uh, that's how society in general should be it should work if you're yeah. a nice person you're a nice person and it, it doesn't matter about your looks so because i just like i've got mates of all different body types and i don't ever hear someone go oh, i'm so fat other than if they are really fat and they just like for I, I'm thinking of a specific guy here, um, 
and he's just and he is but he's he's already depressed and stuff and it's like that's not nice being but fat, he puts himself like, down being fat is never a bad thing and we spoke about this on my podcast yeah on my last episode fat shouldn't be used in an offensive word and i mean i use it to describe myself and you've used it to describe yourself but i think the fact that people would sort of say you're fat yeah. why why is that an insult that's something i don't understand what so what if you're like fat as long as you are healthy and sort of you know health wise you're fine then I don't understand why there is this need to comment on people's sort of appearances and I know I've been around you and your friends when they've like gone in on you for your weight but it just doesn't it doesn't affect them and so many things sort of you know we comment on as society doesn't affect the person who's making the comments so they're Mm -hmm. just they seem a bit ridiculous it's much easier to point out a difference than that you can't like I have called people who are similar sizes to me, fat, very obviously joking about the fact that I am also fat. And like, I'm obviously joking with them and, I, and I'm and i their best mate, so it doesn't matter. But I see what you mean in terms of, I wouldn't say, oh, you've got blue eyes. That's not an insult, that's a fact. And the ter- yeah, fat phobia and stigmatization of that, of like weight is all to do with social media, I think in general. I mean like yeah there's, there's this perfect body type that everyone think ev- everyone in quotation marks thinks that they should be like but that's not true everyone can be whoever they are look whatever they like and it doesn't matter but you're quite confident anyway so things like that don't really they don't really bother you as much as they might another sort of young man which is why it's important to sort of remember as well that sort of what how harry's sort of explaining things they might not you might not relate and you might think, I think he's talking absolute rubbish. And mm-hmm. that's because he might be, because the that's the thing with mental health, you might all have the same diagnosis. And I think that's why it's important for more young men to sort of come out and talk about their mental health. Because what you're saying, like, you know, Bob down the road might also have depression, anxiety and think, I don't think like you at all. I don't like mm-hmm. drinking. I I like getting up and having a routine. Um, so that's why... It was. It's important to sort of talk more about men's mental health. And if you follow my Instagram, um, you'll realize that I share a lot of a lot more men's mental health posts than I used to. Because to most of you, I just used to think if I'm putting out this post, everyone will know it's for them. Um, but when I was actually talking to some of Harry's friends last week, like two of them said to me, like, I love it when you just do just men's mental health because it's like, oh, people are recognizing it because it's just mm-hmm. so overlooked and. Even a lot of big charities, we talk about mental health sort of as a whole, forgetting that sort of men men don't talk about it. And, you know, suicide is obviously the biggest killer of men, which is obviously heartbreaking. And the fact that those figures sort of are there and that, that men still don't feel like they can come out and talk about it is really sad because you obviously should be able to. Same as I feel so confident to sit here and talk about how I feel. But even for you, sort of, you know, you're so nervous to come on and talk about your mental health because it's that worry of what if my friends listen, what if they take the mick out of me for that, what if they take the mick out of me for sort of opening up? Well, I think, it's, yeah, it's that idea. I mean, I, I kind of touched on it before, I think, in that showing emotion as a guy is a is in somewhat stigmatised. And so coming on to a podcast to talk about mental health is, in, is quite raw in some way. I'm like, I'm uh, just opening up. And, and like Kira says, and I gave this you no more... time to prepare either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I just shout. Um, <laughs> the, I, uh, what was I saying? I was talking about. No, you haven't. It's fine. Okay. 
I don't know what I was talking about, though. So, what Harry was trying to say was, because we are just recording this, like, live as we go, we were talking about sort of mental health and sort of you talking about your emotions and, like, yeah, just coming on here and just talking about this, I gave you absolutely no time to prepare. Yeah, and and this is more of a discussion about my mental health as an example of a man. I'm not saying I'm correct. Yeah. Uh, I mean, while I am an arrogant person, (laughs) and I I am correct, um, I'm obviously joking about that. I, I don't really know anything. Kira is the mental health expert in this relationship. Um, I just, I like to, uh, I like to put things to the side and not really worry about them and just ignore them. But Kira obviously helps me actually talk about things, um, which is, like I say, pretty cringe. But uh, it's good for my mental health. <laughs> um, that's why, like, I would normally just edit out, like, you saying you've, like, fucked it. But I think it's, like, it's also just important. Obviously, you're sort of getting a bit nervous and flustered talking about it. But that's okay. It's not always going to be really smooth sailing and smooth talking. Like, talking about mental health is so difficult. And I know sometimes when I've come to you, I've just barely even spoke. It's more just crying. Hmm. But, like, it's still important to just get it out. No matter. So if you are going to someone to talk about your mental health it's just just like it doesn't matter if it takes you like five minutes or half an hour as long as you're sort of talking about it like and somebody's there to listen Mm -hmm. then like it's and and we've we've done it before in in just you complaining about something or another or me complaining about something or other and we do that thing of like do you want me to like do you want to help or do you want to just complain and that's the just do you want to just complain isn't oh, do you want to just complain about it and just talk about it? But like, do I you... want you to talk to me and you can get it off your chest. And sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes mm. you just need to you need to um, externalise your thoughts. But that wasn't always smooth sailing for us. That We had to learn that. We had so many arguments mm-hmm. from that where I would just want to sort of offload and, or just tell you how I was feeling in terms of like my boy dysmorphia. And you would always sort of want to, because Harry likes, he's, likes to solve fixer. problems and always give me solutions. And that's great because that's what Harry wants, but I didn't want him to hear that. I just wanted him to hug me and tell me that he loved me, that he was listening because I didn't feel like I was. But then actually when Harry talks about his mental health, he doesn't want solutions either sometimes. Mm-hmm, yeah, as yeah. much of a fixer as he, are, as he is, he's then like, oh, actually, yeah, just please shut up, let me speak. And then, but that wasn't, so that we didn't get that first time. We've been together for four years this year and only in like the last year have we started like, actually being like okay what would you want out of this conversation or I'll be like I want to talk to you but I don't want you to respond I just want to tell you so you know so if I go off in a minute and cry yeah and it takes work as well obviously we're not talking about this we're not using this as a relationship we're talking about um talking about mental health and it it takes a lot of work and it's 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 weird to for both ends to sit there and just have somebody talk at you and not say anything because a lot of people want to help because that's what you think. You come to somebody and you think they want help. That's what you Sometimes do if you love someone, yeah. But also, it's also hard to, like, ask for help. When you say, I do want advice here, that's just equally as hard. Um, and just talking about things, it's a, it's small steps, but you got to start taking them at some point. And sometimes if someone comes to you for advice, you don't know what to say. But it's sort of, like, sprung on you, like... Obviously, it's difficult as well because I have boy dysmorphia, but as Harry said, he's so confident in his body. So sometimes it's hard. He doesn't know what to say to me when I'm like, 
I feel so depressed about my body because you don't feel that way about yourself now, mm-hmm. although you might have in the past. But same as like when you feel really depressed just about life or sort of university and when you've struggled, I don't I sometimes struggle to sort of know what to say to you because that's not something I necessarily struggle with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you've always been academic and always been on top of your work. And was that 200% this year? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like, then that's just kind of how we work. And that's why we work well, because we balance each other. I'm not high-fiving you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we balance each other out. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you could, you you have to find somebody who balances you out to talk about that. No, like, sometimes that, that somebody it's nice. doesn't that can't deal with it. Sometimes it's nice to talk to somebody who's going through exactly the same thing and just talk and talk and talk. And it just either of you are talking and you're not really talking to each other. You're like I say, you're just dumping you're all just this information. Each out. Other, so. Yeah. But sometimes and obviously it's I think it's easier for girls normally to open up as we've said before. Um but sometimes it's nice to talk to a complete stranger. Because we've both obviously seen like like university counsellors and sometimes it's nice because they have no opinion on your life or mm. on your parents or like you or me so sometimes it's nice because they're not going to be like oh yeah but she was being kind mm. they're just there to listen to you and sometimes I've gone into a counselling session and just said a thing and then been like I'm going now mm. and although obviously they're there to sort of respond sometimes I don't want it I'm like no I've told you so now I can leave mm. yeah, yeah yeah and and when I, yeah, when I saw the, the well-being staff at um, Portsmouth, uh, it was very, I complain, I would go talk about, I'd see her once a week or whatever, and talk about just my week. And she'd ask me like, oh, why do you think that is? And I'd look into myself and a bit introspective. And that that's good as well. Just like, not necessarily advice, but just getting a conversation going. I mean, I guess we're coming back full circle. Wow, that's how good of me. Um, but yeah, just starting to talk. Um, and getting conversations going is just so much better than keeping everything bottled up. And while it's so, it seems like it's easier and it seems like it's better. Sometimes, sometimes it is. Sometimes, genuinely, you've got to, you've just got to handle stuff yourself. But a lot of mental health things are not just handleable, handle handled by yourself. You know what I mean? You can't just do it on your own. Um, so just before we wrap up, we have obviously rambled a little bit, and we've spoken about men's mental health, but also sort of relationships as well I guess but do you have any advice for sort of or anyone but specifically sort of young men out there um and sort of you know just any words of advice for looking after their mental health and sort of how to look after their well-being sort of any sort of acts of self-care that you do to sort of keep yourself feeling positive and sort of stop yourself sort of going into those depressive episodes as much as you can um well I I so I'd start with just in in body image just sometimes just take breaks from social media, especially when you're younger. Um, I'm talking like I'm, I'm such a wise old man. I'm only 20, but having looked back, just if I had less social media and I had less people just judging me and me judging other people, even subconsciously, it's just nice to be yourself, be yourself as much as you can. I think is probably my overall advice to everything. Be yourself and be happy with who you are as tough as that may be. Um, but also in terms of having uh, depressive episodes and uh, and stuff like that I'd say the best things are having a clean room 
having a clean room, clean mind, that kind of idea. Getting sunlight is actually turns out good for you. Who'd have guessed? Um, and routine. Those three. If you can, if you can get up on time and you can go to bed at the same time, your body works better. That's science. If you can get daylight, your body works better. That's science. Oh, eat well as well. Eat, eat nice stuff. Eat some vegetables, even though they suck. <laughs> That's great advice, you, Harry, considering you sit and gnaw on a block of cheese. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> so it's actually no need to expose me. I mean, I also go to bed at wild hours, but it, find find what works for you. Like I say, be yourself. You might find that going to bed at 2am and waking up at 10am uh, is the best way to do it. You might find just an early morning is better. If it helps you, it can't be bad, surely. If you feel good, that's a good sign. Thank you so much, Harry, for coming on and sharing all your words of wisdom. And sorry that I didn't give you absolutely any time to prepare. No, I, mean, I, I loved it. I was, as you can tell, I can love to ramble. Um, but yeah, I, and it's good for me to talk. Like I say, good for you to talk. Um, I'm sure we'll have Harry on again sort of in the future but thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the podcast and next episode we're going to be talking all about um, sort of new beginnings of going back to school moving to university and the anxieties that you sort of can face when sort of starting those new beginnings um so make sure you go follow our social medias as well they're always linked in the bio along with our helplines and websites for those of you who may be struggling a little bit more um, and obviously the dms or mending mindsets are always open as well um, so i hope you all enjoy the rest of your sunday and all have a lovely week and shall see you in the next episode bye, bye.